Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the Kingdom of God. Hello and welcome back to Kingdom Conversations. I'm so excited to be here with Pastor Kevin. This is part two of our series on prayer. And so we just had an amazing conversation to get us started. We talked about the names of God. We talked about how praying God's word looks and the simplicity that comes with that. Um, Pastor Kevin, is there anything I'm forgetting that we talked about that before we start launching into this podcast? We covered a lot. There was a lot there, I think whether it's for people to learn how to pray scripture or even to encourage people as you do it to move from duty to delight. That was yeah. one of the phrases we looked at. I don't think I'm going to forget that because duty is when I'm trying to follow the law and delight is when I'm having a relationship with God. Totally different. Yeah, one's a checklist and one's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm spending time with my wife out of duty versus spending time with my wife out of delight, those are two very different experiences. You know what I think of when you say that? I think of flesh and spirit. The flesh always wants the duty because I can control that. The delight comes from the supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit moving me to relationship. And duty is about me Mm. and delight's about you. And so duty is about I've checked a box. I feel good about me. I did it the right way or whatever. Delight is I just got to be with you. Yeah. We are together. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard John Piper talk about this, but he has, he, I don't even remember which book it came from. And he was talking about um, grace versus law. And he said, um, grace is that you're on a train. And he started saying, you know, what are the things you can do on a train? The train is moving in a direction. You can drink tea. You can work. You can sleep. You can rest. You can do all those things. But he said, we humans want to yank that train track up and turn it into a ladder because it makes us feel good as we start to climb. We feel like this sense of accomplishment. The problem is, is every one of us, no matter what shape we're in, cannot climb the ladder to attain that closeness with God. Right. It's hard to get into that. It is. Yeah. To that It is. Okay, so we have been talking behind the scenes a little bit, and I'm excited to kind of delve into some of these um, topics. So I want to start by um, sharing something that happened to me personally at the church, and that was uh, January of 2021, I got COVID, and I got very, very sick with COVID. It changed my life and ended up being hospitalized, had a small stroke, a TIA, Um, And it caused me to have these blood pressure problems and heart rate problems. I was hospitalized seven times in a short period. And just to put some context with this, I hadn't had the flu in like 20 years prior (laughs) to this. So it was like I made up for it all in one year. And I remember crying out to God. I was feeling so discouraged. And we were reading through the book of James. And so I'm just going to read James 5, um, verse 13 on and it says um it says is anyone among you in trouble let them praise anyone happy let them sing songs of praise is anyone among you sick let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well the lord will raise them up if they have sinned they will be forgiven Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. So fun little story. 
is that was so on my heart and Scott and I were driving. We, I had just been discharged from, I don't know what number time. And I was just in tears and I was feeling so discouraged. And I was listening to a worship song as we were driving. It was called Rattle and it was talking about the healing. And God kept bringing this verse to mind. And Scott just simply said, well, have you asked the elders to pray for you? And I remember thinking, I don't want to bother them. You know, like I want to draw attention to myself. And I saw his look. He didn't even say anything, but his look was kind of confused and baffled. And, you know, but isn't that that prideful part where we don't want to show weakness? And so I remember saying to the Lord, all right, God, if you want me to bring this up, help me have this conversation. And I walked into work two days later and rarely do you do this, but you walked into my office, you sat in the chair on wheels and you wheeled right in front of my desk. You said, Hey, how are you doing? And the Lord's like, okay, how much clearer can this be? (laughs) Do you remember this conversation? Yeah. Yeah. And so I told you what was going on and you invited me to come before our elders and to anoint and to pray over me. We were able to bring Scott, my husband with us. It was a life-changing experience for both of us. I felt the presence of the Lord, and it wasn't this, um, it wasn't um, hysterical. There was this peace, this calmness, this this sweet presence of the Holy Spirit upon me. And I remember sending you and Jeff Rothwell a text. I mean, it still makes me want to cry when I think about it. My blood pressures had been running like 170 over 110. And I sent it the next day, and I think it was 126 over 71. Yeah. Nothing else had been done other than we had just let the Lord do what only he can do. Let's talk about that and unpack that. Yeah, one of the things I think, so the translation I teach out of on Sunday mornings generally is the NIV. Um, I understand some of the limitations with that. I'd probably study more in the ESV or probably the most in the NASB, um, which is a little bit more of a word-for-word translation. But one of the things I think we miss sometimes in those stronger translations, they they maybe are clearer in some ways, but not in others. So I'm going to read that same section of Scripture at the beginning uh, out of a different translation, maybe what some would call a simpler translation. It says, if you are having trouble you should pray. I start with that is because um, anybody ever have trouble? Mm. Like every day? Yeah. So it tells you that's a, that speaks to frequency. It speaks to uh, how, uh, how often. And it says, and if you are feeling good, how often is that? You should sing praises. If you're sick, ask the church leaders to come and pray for you. Ask them to put olive oil on you in the name of the Lord. I like that because sometimes when it comes Mm. to healing and the prayers for healing, we think we categorize our issues, and if they reach to a certain level or high-level category, then that's when we need to go and ask for help. But if it doesn't reach that category, then we can't go to the church and ask for help. That just said, you know what, if you're having trouble... You know, if, 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 you, if you're sick, it doesn't say whether you have COVID, whether you have cancer, or whether you have a cold. Yeah. It, it didn't differentiate. If you're sick, call your church leaders. Allow us the privilege of praying for you because there's something unique about the ministry of an elder, according to Scripture, which is different than a spiritual gift, that these elders will anoint you with oil and pray over you, and whether the healing 
comes to you through emotional healing or relational or spiritual Um, or physical healing. Uh, Healing is given by God and God alone. And your elders are tools which he uses in our lives. I love that so much. Um, I don't know why, but um, it brought to mind, I'm seeing somebody who works with magnet therapy that's helping me. And one of the things she said is, this is a magnet and there's some science behind this, but Jesus is healer. And she prayed before she began. And I thought, I love when we keep that at the forefront of anything that we do. We have medicines, we have doctors, and I'm so grateful. My background is I'm a nurse. I do believe in the medical um, field and the things that we do, but God alone is healer. With that said, there's some crazy healing ministries out there. I hope that's okay that I just said that. <laughs> there are some. It's very, <laughs> it is very, when it comes to healing, people get scared because I think it's been used for money. Uh, it's been used to further someone's own glory, a human's glory, or a human's influence. And what we oftentimes forget is when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's the manifested and then there's the non-manifested gifts, uh, or what I maybe a better way to say that would be the controllable gifts and the non-controllable gifts. Healing is a non-controllable gift. I don't decide if if I have the spiritual gift of healing, I don't decide who gets healed or when they get healed or how they get healed. None of that is up to me because if it is, then I receive all the glory and praise. I'm the person Mm -hmm. on the news. Everyone's running to my house because of Kevin and not because of Christ Mm. and him as Jehovah Rapha. That is very different. And so people have taken that and said, oh no, I'm a healer. I think there are people who have the healing gift who more times uh, then not, God does use them for whatever reason. He's gifted them, but they don't decide who and when and how. It's If God does it, awesome. If he doesn't, that's not up to me. I don't take credit one way or the other. So let's talk about that for a minute. So um, let's say you have somebody in the church and they want to have a healing ministry where people come to them for prayer. I remember you and I talking, it's been quite a few years ago now, but you were talking about... Um, that somebody who has that gift, they're drawn to the obedience of praying for the person, but the outcome is so the Lord's mm-hmm. that they're just as surprised as everybody else, like in awe and wonder yes. surprised of what God has done. Yeah. Two people at our church who have the gift of healing, in my opinion, that are in very, very different. Um, Dr. Carrie Sanchez. Mm, yeah. um, she is in the medical industry, very, very gifted from the very earliest age God used her to heal through all different ways. Obviously, she is in medicine and in internal medicine um, and in our um, healthcare. Unbelievable the wisdom and guidance that she has to navigate through things that God uses her to bring healing to people. On the other end of the spectrum, Ruth Peterson. Mm. Ruth Peterson uh, has reached out to my mom and others, lays hands on people, prays for them. Yes. Um, very, very different mm-hmm. uh, type of healing. Very clear she's gifted in those areas. Does she say it happens every time? No, it does not. Yeah. Um, but God has used her frequently in people's lives, but she doesn't take any of the credit for it when it's more of what maybe some people would say the non-medical version of healing. It doesn't matter. God can heal all across that spectrum. Can I just tell you how the Holy Spirit just met me as you shared that is, first of all, uh, Dr. Carey was the one who followed me when I was admitted to the hospital. So I see, I got to see her in her realm. 
Um, but Ruth Peterson, she has this gift of, I, she, when she reaches out through text or email and says, how can I pray? The timing, there is just no way nope. that's not Holy Spirit led. And she actually recently did that. And I, I think I was sitting in a doctor's appointment. Something was going yeah. on. And I just remember thinking, I looked around like, is she here you know, in the waiting room with me? But it's this gift that God has given her yes. that makes her so sensitive. And sometimes that for her, sometimes uh, the healing is when she prays. I know this is going to sound very like uh, strange, but there's an inner healing that happens. Sometimes your healing has to do with peace and um, that comes over you as she prays for you and settles you on the inside. Other times it's actual physical healing. Yeah. And so it's it's okay when we talk about healing because healing is a spiritual gift yes. and it's, an, it's a non-controllable gift. But the other thing that's cool about healing is it is available to all believers. Mm -hmm. So similar to evangelism where we're called to share our faith, we can share our faith and 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 God can use that. But are there other people who are just, boy, when they share their faith, it seems like people come to Christ like almost every time. Mm -hmm. Sure, spiritual gift. And then there's the that power though is still available to the for lack of a better term, the average believer. So my question is when I came to the elders and um, and there are how many are on the elder There's board? 12 elected and four pastors, so there's 16 total. Okay. And so, and almost every single one prayed and, or, and they prayed to the Lord and there, there was just an affirmation and there was oil. There was an anointing that took place. Um, what if they didn't have the spiritual gift of healing? Is Yeah. So what supersedes the supersedes might be a rough word here. If I, if, if you'll give me some grace with that word, what happens is when you show up and you come in, there's a calling on the elder. So the word elder in the scriptures is interchangeable with the word pastor, which is why the pastors sit with the elders and it's level ground. Uh, there's a the ministry of the elder. One of their core components is prayers for healing. So we anoint with oil. So whether it's um, Bobby and Peggy Long and their daughter who was wrestling with some issues, Joanne Lanning who was wrestling with issues, uh, you've come in, lots of different people have come in and said, would you pray for us? Some, some people are going, we want, while we have a physical ailment, we would ask that you would pray for us, maybe not so much for healing from the physical ailment, but mm -hmm. for our marriage and what's going on because we're seeing the bigger problem is something other than the disease, yeah. that disease is exposing something else. And so the Thurmans have come in. Lots of people have been in there Brilliant. where we've anointed with mm -hmm. oil. We have uh, prayed over them. We lay our hands on them. Yeah. We, uh, it's a very tactile moment, um, a very kinesthetic moment, and it is powerful. Is there a guarantee of healing? Nah, I don't, that's not how that works. That's right. um, it is up to the Father's will and power of the Holy Spirit through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. My fear of sharing my testimony is I don't want to paint this picture. I was sick. My blood pressure was high. I came in, I'm fixed and I go on. There was a lot behind the scenes too, because there's a part of that verse where it says, um, therefore confess your sins to each other. You know, were there things in my life that I needed to do that all of that plays yes. into this. And so it's so much deeper than the surface look at it. I also think that it's just obedience. God calls you yes. to do this. And so that just that obedience, God does amazing things when we do that, even when we feel ill-equipped. Absolutely. With that said, we had a great conversation about a situation you had that just, it gave me chills from head to toe. 
Tell us a little bit about when you were called in to pray for. Yeah, so it's a unique situation. I don't believe I have the spiritual gift of healing. It doesn't happen frequently with me. Uh, I think there's other spiritual gifts that I have. In this instance, one of the youth workers, when I was in student ministries, um, he called me in the middle of the night, said his wife had taken some medicine and had tried to commit suicide. And so rushed to the hospital, uh, showed up. Um, this gentleman's son was in student ministries as well. So he was there. Uh, the family had gathered. Uh, when I got there, the doctors grabbed me and said, whatever you're going to do, you need to do it now. Cause she's got about 30 minutes to live. There's nothing we can do anymore. The damage is done. And, uh, so I had to talk to my friend who I loved and served with and a ministry partner. And I said, I don't, I don't know what else to do. I think we should just go in and pray, just go in and pray that God, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we got the whole family in there. I didn't really ask whether the extended family <laughs> liked to pray or not. And But I think they had a spiritual background. Some people laid their hands on her. Others held hands. And we simply began to pray that, that God would, would heal her. And they prayed with passion and fervency. And I don't think it was a transactional in any way. But right in the middle, um, this lady, she sits up. Opens her eyes, and we're like, what is happening? And she said her son's name, and she looked over at him and leaned over and whispered in his ear and then kind of like exhaled and then laid back down. And we were like, did she die or what just happened? And we were really caught off guard. Everyone was startled. The doctors come running in the room. What happened? Because they saw her vitals all change because they were monitoring her very, very closely. They shoot us all out of the room. Within 30 minutes, she was talking like nothing had happened, everything was fine. Within the hour, they were rolling her out of, of the ICU and, and that area. They were sending her to another section of the hospital for treatment for the reason behind why she was there. Um, recovered, alive to this day. Wow. Nothing, and that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know that I was the, had any catalytic part in that. It could have been someone else there. Yeah. But in that moment, a healing happened that was supernatural. And the doctors grabbed us and said, what did you do? And yeah. we said, I, I didn't do anything. We prayed. That's all we did. And God did it all. So he got all the glory and praise. Yes. I was going to say what I love about that story was that the the wonder and awe that we have, yes. it impacted you just as, it, as much as it impacted that family. I'm thinking how... Um, how hard would it be not to be prideful if we thought we had this magical gift yeah. that anybody we deem to be healed would be healed? You know, it takes the Holy Spirit right out of it. Yeah, and I was young in ministry or younger in ministry at least. But the other thing I think some people think we should pray with expectancy. I mean, we were praying with expectancy. Yes. yes. But when someone sits up who they think is going to be, and I don't care what level of expectancy you have, there's a bit of a shock yes. that we're like, what is going on? Because it was so sudden. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a lack of faith on our part. It was more like startling. Yeah. We didn't expect it to happen quite like that. And mm. God d does what he does. Well, we started the whole first part of this podcast talking about like the elders and the anointing yes. and the praying and the healing. But this also plays into our small group ministry because here at Faith Covenant, we're, I, I, I almost hate saying we're a small group ministry because it almost sounds so... Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, programmatic. Yes, mm-hmm. we're not programmatic, but there is relationship taking place in these small groups. So, um, and prayer is taking place in these small groups, and we are watching God answer prayers in these small groups. And so I want to just focus our last little bit of time talking about the different levels of intimacy that we experience in a small group and what it looks like to really build relationships. Because um, I'm going to throw this out so I don't forget it, but we multiply groups out. So when you build really tight communities and then you multiply, how do you keep that going? Absolutely. Well, I think when it comes to levels of intimacy. I think there's a reason why, I think there's lots of reasons why Jesus didn't run huge stadium events when he was here. Um, One of them, I think, is levels of intimacy. Um, I didn't put this together, but I'll I'll share with you kind of what those levels of intimacy are. A a level one uh, intimacy is in that relationship would be you talk about like facts and information, uh, the weather. You know, when you talk to someone, you go, hey, boy, it's Love this weather. You know, that's very shallow. Um, You can do that with a stranger on a plane. You can do it with a cashier, someone waiting in line. Because if they look back at you and say, I hate the weather, who cares? You don't control the weather. There's no level of vulnerability. You're like, oh, wow, they're grumpy. And you just, or whatever, you just sort of walk away. That's the shallowest. Level two would be you begin to talk about other people's opinions. So when you talk to them, you don't share your own thoughts, but you share what other people think, mostly because you want to see how that person uh, responds to different ideas or, or different concepts. And so you're like, oh, well, I heard such and such say. And if they say, well, I don't agree with them, you go, okay, fine, that's not me. And so mm. you can still distance yourself from, mm-hmm. there's not much hurt. When you get to level three, you, be, you begin to share you, what your thoughts and your ideas are. And if someone doesn't like that, you begin to figure out how, if you're going to compromise or not. And you start having to deal with conflict now mm. because mm-hmm. it deals with you personally. And so there's a bit of a challenge that can come or you can be confronted and you can either quickly back down or you can look to find a compromise or whatever. And that's a risk because if I share with you, I think this, uh, and you say that's crazy or that's unbiblical, all of a sudden now I'm vulnerable and I don't know what to do with that. And I better know you a little bit or, or it could sting. Level four is I begin to share stuff about me. And I begin to share with you stuff about me, not just like general facts, like things that would be difficult to change. Things that are heart moments. Uh, Maybe I share my dreams and I share my values or I share my goals. And if you were to say, Kevin, that is a dumb goal, that would really sting in a deep way because I've centered my life around that and I've prioritized that. And then the deepest level is where you're getting to willing to share anything, including those dark things, those skeletons in the closets, not only your past, but even, you know, this is where I'm going now. Maybe sinful stuff comes out and you're asking for help. So what guys especially don't like to do is we tend to stay shallow. Mm -hmm. And so the larger the group, generally for men, the shallower the man will be. Mm -hmm. And very rarely will they begin to share their, their, 
their feelings in a large group. So one of the things I love about Salt and Light's prayer partners is they span groups. So I might have a prayer partner with you in this current Salt and Light, but then the next cycle, my job changes. I've got to go to a Thursday night group instead of a Tuesday morning group, and I'm in a different group of guys. I can still have a prayer partner from my previous group because that person knows me. Because prayer isn't what happens in a group. Prayer is what happens between groups. And that's where relationship and authenticity happens. So the guys in my life transformation group, I might see him Tuesday for lunch. I'll see him Thursday night downtown where where we hang out. I'll see him at church on Sunday. And then I'll see him in my group Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. I'm going to have four or five experiences with them face to face, let alone the text chains that are funny. And then the text chains that are much more serious. And when my life transformation group multiplied, there, Jeff Rothwell was in that group. He is no longer in that group anymore. You know who texted me this morning? Jeff Rothwell. Jeff Rothwell. Mm-hmm. And so it has nothing to do but with... But he's I'm, not in your group anymore. Exactly. <laughs> because my prayer partner is based on a deep level. He knows me. Yeah. So if Lori wants to know what's, what's wrong with her husband, she could call Jeff and Jeff would go, here's what it is. Yeah. Um, if, if for some reason she couldn't pick that up. And that's a beautiful, same thing. Travis Chambers was in my group, no longer in my group. You know who texted me last night? Travis Chambers. Mm -hmm. So prayer partners span groups. Prayer requests are group centric. And then that prayer requests force groups to not multiply because you're scared about losing your people who are praying for you. But the problem is prayer requests only get you to level three. Prayer partners get you to level five. So powerful. Um, I just feel led to ask you, so why would we not want to stay in the same group? Because we're forming these really tight relationships. Why do we want to multiply? Well, part of the reason we want to multiply, I would say one would be inclusion. Mm -hmm. We've got a bunch of people who are rolling into our church every week who've got their face pressed up against the glass window of our church going, I want relationship because our church is built on relationships, not based on Sunday morning. So during COVID, we grew... We didn't shrink. We grew because our main focus was relational groups, not a Sunday morning show. Uh, or I shouldn't say show. That sounds derogatory. I think you know what I mean, or right. Sunday morning right. uh, gathering. Yes, that's super important. We, we kept that going, but people stayed connected. And so what happens is as you grow deeper, we need groups to multiply to include the new people coming in going, I want relationship with God and I want relationship with others. Because if I don't love others, the problem is not my relationship with others. It's my relationship with God. And a group can help me see that. So when groups multiply, it includes, but it also allows more people to be prayed for, more people to be cared for, because I can't visit six, seven, eight hundred plus people in the hospital. I need lots of people caring so you can be known, you can be valued. All of that happens in a church with groups. You know, what's funny is um, uh, Scott and I and our family started attending here. I think it was 2015. When did you come? Uh, January 1st of 2015. Yes. It was, you'd, you'd had three sermons and everybody was sending them to me. And so I said, let's go try this little church. And here we are, 2023. Um, and what I remember was there was a prayer chain 
that was very active at that time. And I see that not being even needed now because we have small groups that care for each other. So even let's go in, let's go back to the beginning of this conversation. We want elders to pray and there is a yes. place for that, but we also have our small groups. And so for, if you're not in a small group, what you're missing is that intimacy of having yes. people walk through you because here's the truth. The elders prayed over me. I am forever grateful. God was glorified and lifted up. But my small group is the one that walks with me through every intricate detail and follows through and follows up. And you need that. And that's why we have. Yeah, your depth of intimacy with others speaks to your depth of intimacy with Christ. Yeah. So when people go, I'm a loner, Mm -hmm. it's just me and God, I go... God didn't give that option in scripture. It was never like, hey, Moses, just you, let's you and I just hang out in the mountain. Yeah. No, there was always about a greater mission that's happening because you're not a disciple, you're just a follower. And so what happens is on Sunday morning, a level of intimacy, there's only a certain level of intimacy you can get on a Sunday morning. But when you go to a life group that meets a couple times a month, it can go deeper. And then when you're in salt and light that meets every single week, it gets deeper. And then if you're, you know, if you're willing to to risk meeting other times outside of that, it relationally, it'll go even deeper. And that speaks to your intimacy with Christ. I'm going to, we're getting ready to close and I want to close with a testimony. So, uh, Mackenzie Shores or Kenzie Shores. Um, and I just had coffee and she was talking about, and this is a true story. As we were moving into the freedom workshop, she did not want to multiply her group because they had become so close. And so right. she was begging me to let, I, I say she was begging me. That might be a yeah. little extreme, but it was fun to say, <laughs> but she, they were wanting to keep it together and have 10 people in this group because right. we don't want to let go. And so when we had coffee, we weren't even talking about this. She brought it up and she said, Mary, I totally didn't get it. She goes, I'm still friends with all the people that were in the group before. And I have all these new friends and I get it now. It was like from one side to the other, darkness to light, understanding that we were collecting, when we do prayer partners, we're collecting more people that are more intimate. Scott has uh, John Mosteller as his prayer partner this week. But guess what? He reached out to Andy, who was his prayer partner a couple weeks ago, because it's not limited by time. Absolutely. Because if you've got 10 and you're wrestling with um, pick a sin, whether it's anger, whether it's adultery, whether it's uh, stealing from work, whatever, you're going to share that in a group of 10? Really? You're you're, going to open up and there's going to be enough talk time for you, 90 minutes, 10 people, you're talking what nine minutes? I mean, you're not yeah. getting, you're not getting bulk time. But if I go, I've got three or one. Mm-hmm. I will be much more vulnerable. I, th- we will have a, a much deeper because you're going to walk with me through very deep things that I didn't think anyone would ever, and you will love me through it. Yes. And when you get to the other side, uh, most guys, I, I'll only speak to guys for a second because uh, guys are like, you're my, you're my boy now. Because you saw me through the darkest, difficult season of my life. I will go to the ends of the earth for you. And that spans a group. It spans churches. Yes, Uh, You could go, I'm at another church in town for whatever reason, but you're still praying for me. I know you're praying with me and I'm still going to get with you. And that's the church. Absolutely. Because it doesn't matter whether you're at our church. It's that you're in God's church and you're, because we're all going to be in heaven together. So it's okay to have prayer partners in other churches. Yeah. So if you're listening today and you were thinking, I really need to get involved in a small group. 
I encourage you to call the church, ask for Pastor James. He would be glad to help you find the perfect small group for you. If you're interested in salt and light, shoot me an email at marnold at fccstpete.com and know that you never have to walk alone. You never have to walk alone. We want to walk together with those that we're doing life with. It's very true. And if you don't, what happens is when life hits, you will be alone. Mm. It is so much greater and much, so much more powerful for the church to be the church is when life hits, whether, whether it's your kids or your spouse or aging parents or financial crisis, when you've got your people in proximity and presence to your life and you see them with great frequency, you will weather the storm in a completely different way. What an awesome note to end on. That is up. Don't wait for trouble to come your way. Come right now. And as we come together and walk together, when those storms hit, you have a whole group of people that are with you. Have a great week. Thank you for being here. We hope to see you either in the small group you're already in or maybe coming in as a brand new face. We'd love to have you. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Conversations. We look forward to you joining us next week.